Well, hi everybody. Let's uh, let's open up our time in a word of prayer. Okay, we'll just we'll we'll get started by just uh, coming to the Lord. Well, Father, thank you for this very special day. Thank you for gathering us together, and uh, Lord, we love you so much. And Father, I pray that um, you would touch every single person here, all those who are watching online um, on this Father's Day. Often, this is a very difficult uh, and, and hurtful time for some people. But Lord, we have, a, we have a great Father in you. We have such a good, good Father in you. And I, I pray that as I share some, some thoughts here that you would direct our hearts uh, to you, that our hearts would be drawn to you and, you know, you do something in us. So Holy Spirit, stir in us. Holy Spirit, speak to us, whether we're listening even to this message um, online at a later date. So thank you, Father. It's so good to be together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day to all of you dads out there, and I want to thank you for joining us here in person. So many of you here, and I know there are a bunch of folks out in the Face Center and also in our, in our cafe lobby area and also online. We are so glad that you are here. Now, if you don't know by now, next weekend um, will mark my final weekend as your senior pastor, and it has been the honor, thank you, it has been the honor of my life, really, to uh, serve you. Please, please. Um, Thank you so much for that. Um, and it has been 30 years and nine months. And, uh, you know, the last several months, I've just experienced a, a roller coaster of emotions as I've gotten ready for, um, you know, just saying goodbye, at least for a short while. And uh, I've also been so overwhelmed by the outpouring of love. And it's hard for me to, um, uh, to accept, you know, applause and all those kind of things. So... Uh, but before I turn the reins over to Pastor Greg, uh, I just wanted to share just some of the things that have been on my heart uh, the, the last uh, few weeks and, and several months as we've, we've come to this particular day, Father's Day. And then I also have a few more things to say next weekend. But uh, let, me, let me begin with one last history story. You know I love history, right? Many years ago, the Wall Street Journal Journal published a story about the great Yankee slugger Joe DiMaggio. Uh, and during World War II, he actually took a leave of absence from the Yankees in order to serve our country in the Army. Well, it was now the summer of 1945, and the war was over, and so DiMaggio was training to get ready to come back to the team, which, was, which had already been playing. But before he did, before he actually officially joined the team, he snuck into Yankee Stadium for one last time to take in a game with his son in the bleachers, his four-year-old son, Joe Jr. And um, as he sat in the stands trying not to be noticed by the crowd, somebody did. And then so did another. And so did another. And word spread like wildfire throughout the stadium. Before you know it, everybody knew he was there, and they began chanting, Joe, 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 DiMaggio. Joe, 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 DiMaggio. Well, DiMaggio was so moved by the gesture that he gazed down at his four-year-old son, Joe Jr., to kind of assess his reaction to it all. And Joe Jr. looked up at his dad and said, Daddy, everybody knows me. Well, obviously, Joe Jr. got it wrong. It wasn't about him. It was about his father. And I love this story because it really expresses my sentiments 
perfectly as I get ready to wrap things up here that the last 30 plus years have been all about my father. And, and for that matter, the, the last, my entire life has been all about my father in heaven. And I'm not saying that to sound spiritual. I'm saying that because I truly believe that. And, and I want to show you why. You know, when I came kicking and screaming out of my mother's womb, I wasn't all that special except to my parents. I grew up uh, to be an ordinary kid who loved riding on his tricycle in his tidy whiteies. <laughs> I grew up to be an awkward pre-teenager, and my best friend was my dog, Boo-Boo. And then when I was 14 years old, I decided to participate at the Belvedere Junior High School, uh, in the Belvedere Junior High School Stanley Foot Oratorical Contest. And the big day came, I was 14 years old, and the big day came and the auditorium was packed with students and teachers and parents, and I had never been more nervous in my life. With great anticipation, I started into my speech, and a third of the way through, I forgot my lines. No joke, I forgot my lines. And I stood there for what seemed like an eternity, deer in the headlights look, just absolutely terrified. No kidding, I was absolutely terrified. And finally, finally my teacher gave me a prompt and I picked up and I finished the speech. But when I was done, I was so traumatized that I vowed that I would never speak in public again. <laughs> no kidding. And, uh, and if I did, I would always have to have my notes rather than try to memorize something, which is why I always have my notes here with me when I speak to you. Well, it went on to Roosevelt High School where I was a slightly above average student um, and then went on to Pepperdine where I, was a where I was absolutely nerdy and unimpressive in every way. One of my favorite pastimes was sitting in the middle of the quad with Freckles the dog, wearing bell-bottom jeans, hush puppies. Back then you wore hush puppies, you didn't eat them and Coke bottled glasses. And I was, as, you, as I said, very unimpressive. And the only thing I had going for me was my bowl cut hair, which might have qualified me to be in a K-pop band if I could sing and dance. Well, as fate would have it, something remarkable happened on that campus because it was right there that I heard about a man named Jesus. He lived 2,000 years ago claimed to be the son of God, and I learned that he came down from heaven to die on a cross for my sins. And then God raised him from the dead to prove that he was who he said he was, that he was God. I had never heard this before, and it rocked my world because I grew up in a Buddhist home. But it made so much sense. It made so much sense, and so at the age of 20, I decided right there on that campus to become a Christian to the dismay of my parents. And it changed my life because it meant that I had now been forgiven of all my sins. Everything that I'd ever done and will ever do, God forgave me because Christ died for that purpose. It meant that one day after I died, I would go to heaven because I'd been given the gift of eternal life. 
It, it meant that the Holy Spirit of God had now come to live inside of me and he would be with me until the very end. It meant that I now belonged to a family called the church. And all these truths could be summed up this way, that what I had done was I had entered into a personal relationship with the living God, with the God of this universe, a personal relationship. This was not religion. This was a relationship that I had entered into. And then a few years went by and I began to grow in my faith with God and I began to comprehend for the first time the magnitude of my decision. And it was kindled by something that, that I read in the Bible that Jesus said. And it's found in John chapter 15, verse 16, and it blew me away. And here's just part of what he said. I'll put it up here for you. John 15, 16. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And those last three words just jumped out at me, and it just gripped my heart. I chose you. Well, what did Jesus mean by that? Well, I had to know. So I began to use the cross-references, the little numbers by the, by the verses, and I came across another verse that led me to another verse, John 6, 44, put it up here for you, where Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Did you get that? No one can come to God unless he draws him. Again, what did that mean? And that led me to another verse. A little further down in the same chapter, John 6, 65. And Jesus said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. No one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And I mulled over these words. I chewed on them. I ruminated over them. And it, then it dawned on me. This is not that complicated. It means what it says. And in a nutshell, what Jesus said was, the only reason I was a Christian was because God drew me to himself. That was the only reason. He granted me the wherewithal to come to him by giving me faith to believe in him. You know, you need to have faith to come to God. You need to believe in God. And that faith was not something I manufactured or conjured up. Faith was what God gave me to believe in him. In other words, I didn't choose him. He chose me. And by becoming a Christian, it meant that I had very little to do with it. I had very little to do with becoming a Christian, and he had everything to do with it. It was all about him. And of course, I had a role to play. I mean, I had to receive Christ. I had to accept him. Uh, but as many as receive him, to them God gave the right to become children of God. But I received him because he chose me to receive all the blessings that come with being a child of God. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. That almighty God singled me out. He singled me out. He selected little old, awkward, messy, nerdy, unimpressive Gary Shiohama, who came from a family of Buddhists going back hundreds of years to know him. And it reminded me of what Paul said in his letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 27. He said, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. 
But God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. But God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring, thing, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. That was me. I was not, I was low, I was weak, I was a fool. And the reason, the, re, the first reason why I believe it's all about him is simply because he chose me and he saved me. And, and guess what? I mean, if he did that for me, he did that for you, right? He chose you. You know, and uh, here I am 50 years later. Here I am 50 years later. And, and um, after... 50 years after I became a Christian, I, I stand here before you and I, I still can't believe he saved me. I still can't believe God chose me. I still can't believe he loves me. If, if God saved me strictly on the basis of merit, then I would not have been saved. He would not have saved me. Um, because, and I would be the least deserving out of all of you because I know how sinful and I know how ugly I can be inside. Yet God chose me. And do you know what that means? It means that I am super special and God loves me just because. And again, if you're a Christ follower like I am, then God chose you and God saved you and God loves you. And it means you're super special. And, and think about that. Out of all the people in the world, I mean, how many, how many Christ followers are there? Well, not very many. Most, most of the people you probably know aren't Christ followers. Most people you work with, most people you go to school with aren't Christ followers. And to think that out of all the people in the world, he singled you out to receive all of the blessings that come with being a child of God. And so here's what I want you to do. Whether you're watching online, whether you're out in the faith center or out in the, in the cafe area or, or you're here in person, what I want you to do is I want you to say to the person next to you, I want you to say to them, I can't believe God chose me. Will you tell them that? Just say, I can't believe God chose me. I can't believe God chose me. All right, did you say it? Okay, now what I want you to say back to that person is, I can't believe it either, right? <laughs> yeah, he chose you. You are super special. God loves you. And I can't believe it. This week, you know, I was actually thinking about, about where I'd be today if I wasn't a Christian. You ever wonder about that? You got to think about that sometime. In fact, I think it'd be a great exercise in your small groups this week. Go back to your life group and discuss that question. Where do you think you'd be today if you weren't a Christian? And uh, here's what I came up with. I came up with three or four things. First, if I didn't know Jesus... I wouldn't be married to my wife, Cheryl, because we met at church. And, and I wouldn't go to church if I wasn't a Christian. And, uh, and who knows? I mean, who knows who I'd be married to? I, I might be in my third or fourth marriage by now. Seriously, I mean, I, who knows, right? Second, if I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> did you say something, Mark? <laughs> That's right. If I wasn't a Christian, second, if I wasn't a Christian, um, I wouldn't know any of you. Think about that. I wouldn't know Mark, and I wouldn't know Curtis next to him, right? I mean, and I could go on, and I wouldn't know Sandra here. So, I mean, I wouldn't know any of you, and I can't imagine my life without you. I mean, how, how empty it would be, how unfulfilling it would be 
not to have relationships with you. And that's why I don't plan to stay away very long. I'm going to take three months off and then I'll be back because I need you in my life. So third, if I wasn't a Christ follower, third, if I wasn't a Christ follower, I would probably be trying to live life in the fast lane in, in, in search, in constant search of riches and fulfillment and pleasure and happiness in the, in the things that the world has to offer. That's probably what I would be doing. And fourth, if I wasn't a believer, I know I, I would be empty inside. I would be so empty inside, devoid of purpose, devoid of hope, very, very lost. My guess is there might be some people here today, and that's exactly your situation. And I'll tell you how we can fix that in a little bit. I would probably, I would also probably be very angry. I notice that people are angry today. Boy, people are just angry today. The way they drive, the way they talk. I mean, everyone's angry today. Everyone's entitled today. And that would be me. And, um, and who knows? I mean, I would be lonely and depressed. And, and who knows? I might even be dead if I wasn't a Christ follower. I mean, have you ever imagined your life without God? You ought to think about that. If you haven't, you ought to think about that this week. It'll sober you up real quick. And when you realize what life would be like, it will, you will come to appreciate just how much you love Jesus and how thankful you are to have him in your life. I am so thankful Jesus saved me, aren't you? You know, one of the prayers I pray nearly every day, every day I pray this prayer. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. You know, and thus, th this next verse, these words that David wrote really ring true in my heart. Psalm 13, verse 6. He said, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Isn't that true? God has been good to me. If you could say that, if you say that God has been good to you, just say amen. Amen, right? Amen. God has been so good to me. Well, you know, after World War II ended, a general, an American general, was there in London, and uh, he and his young lieutenant boarded a plane, um, aborted a train there um, in, in England. And there were only two seats left on the train, and they happened to be right across a, a beautiful young lady uh, who was traveling with her grandmother. And, uh, and so they took their seats right across from them. And as uh, the train went chugging along, it went through a long, uh, dark tunnel. And back then, they didn't have lights for the train that would go on automatically. And so they went through the train, and everything uh, became pitch black. And for about 10 seconds, they rolled along, and it was completely pitch black. And in the silence of that moment, the only sound that was heard was a kiss and a slap. <laughs> um, after the train shot out of the tunnel, um, there was a, the light went back on again, and, and everyone came to their own conclusion about what it was that they just heard, a kiss and a slap. Well, the young lady thought to herself, I'm so flattered that the young uh, lieutenant kissed me, and I'm shocked that my grandmother slapped him. <laughs> the grandmother thought, I can't believe that young man kissed my granddaughter, and I'm so glad she slapped him for getting fresh. The general thought, boy, my lieutenant sure had a lot of nerve kissing that girl, but why did she slap me instead of him? 
The lieutenant was the only one on the train who knew what really happened. In that brief moment when the lights went dark, he kissed the pretty girl and he slapped the general. <laughs> Isn't that a great story? Just like the general, Paul got a slap in the face, the apostle Paul. In fact, he got many in his lifetime. Two weeks ago, I wrapped up a series here in the book of 2 Timothy. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to finish the last half of it, so I'm going to do that right now. All right, I'm going to do that for you right now. And at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul had some very complimentary things to say about some of the people around him, and he also had some very uncomplimentary things to say about some of the people around him. You might remember when he wrote this, he was on his, uh, he was really uh, marked for death, and he was about to be executed. So these were his final words. But here's what he wrote that was uncomplimentary. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. He said, for Demas, it's actually pronounced Demas in Greek, but for Demas, in love with his present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. We'll keep the verse up there for you, but Demas uh, deserted him completely, it says, for the pleasures that the world had to offer him. In other words, he probably was a man of faith, but then completely fell away and stopped having a relationship with Paul. And it was a slap in the face to him. As for Crescens and Titus, as far as we can tell, they were faithful uh, believers. They were faithful men, but the problem was that, that they weren't there for Paul, that for whatever reason God directed them to different cities. And that too, in a sense, was a, was a slap in the face, although it was more unintended than intended because off they went to another place. It just wasn't there for Paul. In, second, in verse 14, 2 Timothy 4, 14, it says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm, and the Lord will pay him back according to his deeds. Another uncomplimentary statement. The Greek word for harm means to be inwardly foul or rotten. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. And it means to possess. That word harm means to possess an inner malice flowing out of a morally rotten character. In other words, Alexander was the worst kind of adversary you could have because he was cutthroat and rotten to the core. And so he did Paul great harm. So he too offered Paul a slap in the face. And finally, Paul said in verse 16, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. You see, at various junctures throughout Paul's uh, life as a believer, he was put on trial for his faith. He's put on trial in, in Jerusalem, put on trial uh, even before the court of Emperor Nero. And here's what he said. No one came to my defense. No one came to my defense. Everyone had turned away from him. And this one really hurt. It was a real slap in the face. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been hurt by people slapped in the face? Maybe people you thought were your friends, but they weren't there for you when you really needed them? You know, it happens all the time because we're broken people. And it's, life is painful. And sometimes the people that you care about and love the most will let you down. And let's face it, we let people down. I know I've let people down. Let me give you uh, an example. Let me be transparent with you for just a moment. You know, I've never shared this before, but 
for those of you who know me, I'm a very relational and emotional guy, right? I brought my tissue today just in case I start to, to cry up here, but I'm a, I'm a very relational and emotional guy. That's just how God hardwired me. That's who I am, right? And I thrive as a relational, emotional guy. I thrive on, on encouragement and affirmation, and I really enjoy warm, personal interactions with people. Therefore, when it comes to ministry, what I've always longed for was to be surrounded by people who were just like me, who were relational and emotive just like I am. But as I look back on the last 30 plus years, for the most part, that's not who God brought into my life. Almost from day one, God has continually surrounded me with people and leaders who tended to be more cerebral and more analytical and more logical, which is the complete opposite of me, right? And now that's not a criticism. I want you to understand that. That's not a criticism of anyone. It's simply an observation. And, and it was tough for me. It was tough for me because those who are cerebral and analytical and logical tend not to be sympathetic and understanding and compassionate and emotionally, emotionally supportive. And some of you might be married to somebody like that and and you just want, you know, you just want that. And that's kind of like me. And so in retrospect, but in retrospect, I can say that God knew exactly what he was doing. God knew exactly what he's doing. He gave me exactly what I needed because it forced me, these circumstances forced me to depend totally on him and not on other people. And he did the same thing in Paul's life. God removed his emotional support system when all these people went away. And and it forced Paul to depend on God. And that's what he did. He leaned hard into God. And that's why he said in 2 Timothy 4, last verse out of 2 Timothy 4, verse 17, he says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. All these people split, but the Lord stood by me. A bunch of these people deserted me. They weren't there for me, but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength. You know, and as I look back on my life in ministry, I can say without equivocation that that's exactly what God did for me. He has stood with me, and he has strengthened me. When no one was there, he was. Whenever I felt alone, I wasn't, because he was always with me. Whenever I felt like I needed to share burdens with somebody, but, but I couldn't, I was, he was always there to talk to. Whenever I, I was at my lowest, he lifted me up. When I was weak, that's when I was strong. When, when I hurt inside, he understood. When I failed him so many times, he was the one who forgave me. When I was faithless, he was faithful. Here are just a few of the promises. I came up with six that have guided me and kept me going all these years. You might like these for yourself. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, God says, fear not for I am with you. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Those are words straight from the mouth of God. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. My heart's been broken plenty times, and I'm sure yours has too. And the Lord is near to those whose hearts are broken. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. 
when it seems like nobody understands you, God does. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty and under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God will lift you up because he cares for you. And finally, 2 Corinthians, well, two more actually, 2 Corinthians 12, 10. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And finally, the last one, 2 Timothy 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Isn't that great? Read God's word. It will keep you going. And so God has stood with me and strengthened me, and I couldn't have made it without him. And that's why I can say today that it's been all about him, 100%. Now let me show you a picture. This is Halvon and his daughter, Pierce, who became a flight attendant for Delta Airlines in 2018. And so here's dad pinning wings on, on her shirt. Well, in that first year that she was a flight attendant, she, since she's a newbie, she got to work on Christmas Eve and Christmas. She had to work on Christmas Eve and Christmas. And that would be the first time that she would be away from her family on Christmas. Uh, and her father couldn't bear the thought. He couldn't bear the thought of her spending Christmas alone, flying all over the country without them. So while mom stayed home to watch the family pets, Hal booked six flights. He booked six flights on which his daughter would be working so he could be with her as she crisscrossed the United States Christmas Eve going into Christmas Day. On one of the flights, Pierce was able to upgrade her dad to first class, only one of those flights, and his seatmate was a fellow named Mike Levy who snapped these photos and posted it on his Facebook page with this comment, let's put that up there. Levy wrote, I had the pleasure of sitting next to Hal on my flight back home. His daughter Pierce was our flight attendant who had to work over Christmas. Sad face emoji. Hal decided to spend the holiday with her. So he is flying on each of her flights today and tomorrow around the country to spend time with his daughter on Christmas. Happy face emoji. What a fantastic father. Wish you both a very Merry Christmas. And the post went viral. You see, such is the love of a father who went through extraordinary lengths to be with his daughter. And such is the love of our father who went through extraordinary lengths that we might have a relationship with him. He sent his one and only son to planet earth to die on a cross just for us. What an amazing father we have. What, an, what a great father we have, a good, good father we have. Let me leave you with one final thought. I don't know if you have ever looked up our church on Google. All right, try it sometime. Go to Google and enter South Bay Community Church. And when you do, you'll get a page that looks just like this. All right, that's what it'll look like. And then here's a close-up of the right side of this page. You can see it there. That's a close-up of, of that right side of the page. And if you look closely, you'll notice that we have 91 reviews. 
91 Google reviews, averaging 4.9 stars, which is absolutely astounding. That's amazing, right? 4.9 stars. Now, if you click on the reviews, the first one that pops up is from Jill, who comes to our church, who wrote in part, quote, South Bay Community Church has a very big place in my heart and my kids, from Pastor Gary to Pastor Greg and Pastor Dave and Pastor Dan, all the people from Kids Crew and everyone who's been there for my kids during Sundays. And she goes on, and you can click the More button to, get, to read all of it. But she goes on to tell how she loves our church, right? And then if you look at the second view, you click on the second view. This one was from Jamal. And you can see it there on, on the, on the left-hand side. He wrote, thank you so much, HP. You were amazing with every question I asked and detail about your products, polka dot chocolate mushroom bar. <laughs> what in the world is that? <laughs> I found this dispensary on weed maps. It came through, I'm glad I did. What is he talking about? Are we serving polka dot chocolate mushroom bars at our hospitality table? The next review was by Ed Oyama, who tends our church, and he also had some very nice things to say. And then right after Ed's review was this one. This was by someone named Gina. And she wrote, best shop by Disneyland by far. We're not by Disneyland. <laughs> they had so many treats in stock, I was able to get the Magic Kingdom shroom gummies four pack. <laughs> what in the world is that? <laughs> and still walk out with three disposable vapes with their buy two, get one exclusive with Telegram. Mark, are you handing out vapes in the parking lot? I don't know. <laughs> I hope not too. Right? But what is going on here? Right? And there are, there are dozens of reviews just like this. Right? And upon investigation, we learned that there is a cannabis dispensary about two miles from here called South Bay Church. If you can believe that. They're called South Bay Church. And their customers are, are mistaking our Google page for the dispensary's page. And we have lodged a complaint with Google, and they say they can do nothing about it. I, that confounds me, because with all the technological geniuses around there at Google, it seems to me that if we wanted to delete it, we can, but we can't. And, uh, and, and why they call themselves a church, and they actually have a little green cross as their symbol, um, it's probably a, they're probably trying to be mocking, I guess, but uh, why they would call themselves a church is beyond me. They're obviously not a church, so don't go there, okay? <laughs> don't go there, and whatever you do, don't go buy their chocolate-covered mushrooms or whatever it is or, or anything else, all right? Just stay away from that place. And, um, and don't, please don't reply to any of these reviews, these pot reviews, with a nasty comment. In fact, we've actually replied to, to a number of them by simply saying, oh, I think you got the wrong website, and, uh, but this is a South Bay community, and we would love for you to join us. So that's what we've done. We've just tried to invite them to come to our church. And um, I'll tell you one thing. Honestly, I, I marvel at the fact, I marvel at the fact that there are people who will unashamedly, unashamedly tell others about 
cannabis products, right? Well, how much more should we tell people about Jesus, right? How much more should we tell people about our Father, our amazing Father? Because there is no one like him. There is no one greater than him. And he is our only hope. And he is their only hope. And uh, so as I was writing this message, I had an idea. How about if you look up our church on Google, okay? Look up our church on Google, enter South Bay Community Church, and you can come to this page, click on the comments uh, tab, and write a comment of your own. Right? And instead of singing the praises of our church and our awesome senior pastor, why don't you, I'm joking, why don't you post, why don't you post something about our amazing Heavenly Father and about His Son Jesus and write on there how He has changed your life and what He means to you. And maybe some of these folks who come to post about cannabis will read your post and they'll say, wow. I wonder who this Jesus is. I, I want to know more about this Jesus. What is this church? I, I want to go to that church. Wouldn't that be great? I want to let you know I am all in favor of sheep stealing in this case. Sheep stealing in this case by getting everyone who goes to South Bay Cannabis Church to come to South Bay Community Church, right? So let's go out and steal some sheep, right? So think about posting something this week. And don't forget, five stars only. All right, five stars only, not four, not three, five stars only. All right. You know, when I, when I became a Christian 50 years ago, I had no idea that it would lead me to becoming a, a pastor one day. I mean, it wasn't even on the radar, not, not even a, a thought, right? In fact, after I became a Christian, I, would start, I got involved in youth ministry and I got involved in all kinds of things and, and people would start suggesting to me that maybe I had to pursue full-time ministry, including Pastor Corey. He even said that to me one time, you know, I think you should go into ministry. And I, I would just shrug it off like, no, no. The, the idea of becoming a pastor was so foreign to me, right, that it took me 20 years from the time I became a Christian until the time I became a pastor, 20 years before I pulled the trigger. And I finally entered the ministry when I was nearly 40 years old. And do you know why I did? you know why I started South Bay Community Church? It's very simple. All I wanted was for people to have what I had. That's it. I just wanted people to have what I had. Just like those people want everyone to smoke this stuff or eat this stuff, whatever they do with it, right? I wanted people to be saved. I wanted people to know that their sins are forgiven. That's our biggest problem today. It's sin. I wanted people to know that God chose them, that God can save them. I wanted people to go to heaven and not hell after they died. And I wanted people to experience what I experienced. The love of a father will always be there for you through all the ups and downs in life, the constant presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, and the love of a church family. I wanted people to experience that. And, and the inner peace that comes with knowing Christ and the uh, endless joy and so much more. I mean, really think about it. How, can, how could I keep Jesus to myself? I had to tell others. And uh, God led me to go in the ministry. And, um, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why I can't stay away from this place too long because I, I got to come back here and team up with you to keep telling people about Jesus because you never retire from telling people about Jesus and having others have what you have. And so 
here's the thing. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a pastor to tell someone about our father. You don't have to do that. You just have to be his child, right? If you're his child, then go out and tell others about your father. And um, if you aren't his child, then why don't you become his child today? Why don't you just tell him you want to be his child? In fact, let's close our time in prayer. And, and I want to lead you in a, in a prayer so that you can become a child of God if you aren't already. If you came here today, maybe you're listening for the very first time and you're not a child of God and you can't say for sure that God saved you or that you have been chosen by him or that God loves you. Why don't you just tell him right now? You know, the way, the way you have a relationship with God is simply by telling you want to have a relationship with God by just telling him that you believe in him. So just say something like this, dear God, now I want you to know I believe in you. I believe Jesus was your son. It makes so much sense that you sent him to planet earth, to die on a cross, to rescue me and to save me from sin. And right now, I just, I want you to know I want to become your child. So I give you my life. Make me the person you want me to be. If you will just say that to him, if you just said that to him, congratulations, God just chose you. You had to say that prayer, but God just chose you. And you are super special. Oh, Father, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. This Father's Day, I know is so painful for some people in this room. I miss my own dad. But I'm so thankful that I have a, a father in you who never quits, a father who never fails, a father who is so awesome and so powerful, a father who loves me no matter what. And Lord, this morning we want to recommit ourselves to you in a fresh new way. Help us to always remember it's not about us. It's about you. As we reflect back on our life from the very beginning, Man, it's, I see your fingerprints all over it. It's always been about you. So thank you for loving each and every one of us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for saving us. Now, Lord, send us out in the world and help us to be so eager to tell others that we can't contain the joy, we can't contain the enthusiasm because of who you are. So we love you, Lord, and we Thank you so much. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.